My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh, yeah. You were supposed to be her five. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> That's not funny. Don't, don't do that. Miles' grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to Mira, that's why I'm sick. I gotta go. All right, bye. He's lying to you. And I think you know it. What's up, danger? Miles! Wanna get out of here? Oh, when? So wait a minute. There's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Who's the new guy? This is unbelievable. This is the lobby. Miguel O'Hara. The whole thing was his idea. What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth 1999-99. Come on, go easy on the kid. He had a terrible teacher. Peter. Miles. Mayday. You have a baby? I have a baby. I'll take it from here. Miles, being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. Send me home. I can't do that. I can do both! Spider-Man always... Not always. What about Uncle Ben? If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. Can't run forever, kid! I can't lose one more friend. Miguel, this isn't what we talked about! You knew? You had no idea what you're doing! Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah. I'm gonna do my own thing. All stations, stop Spider-Man! You? You are me? Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Jure and Derek Wong. So tonight we are talking about the highly anticipated sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, aptly titled Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. But before we do that, I think a hearty congratulations. are in order for Derek, who recently got married. Amir and I had the honor of attending your wedding, and believe it or not, meet you in person for the first time. <laughs> right? That's so crazy. so wild. Yeah. Considering we've been doing this podcast for almost, what, four years now? It's so oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm honestly so happy that you guys can make it out. Very appreciative, and I hope you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, we had yeah, a blast. It was a, blast. It was a lot of yeah. fun. You picked the one week with no movies out. I know, right? We talked about, you know, hey, we do a movie podcast. Maybe we should try to watch a movie. And it was, <laughs> I mean, not to anyone who loves Little Mermaid. We didn't want to watch Little Mermaid together. So we didn't watch a movie together. Instead, we just hung out, drank some beers, went out, you know, and hit a cool brewery, hit up some food, yeah. and hung out. Well, it was fun. So this new movie, I actually didn't realize until recently, it has a completely different set of directors than the first one. Mm hmm. Phil Lord stayed on as writer, and he brought in his, I think, usual partner, Christopher Miller, along this time. But 
Across the Spider-Verse is directed by Joaquin DeSantos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. If you remember a few years ago, we covered, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Regina King's adaptation of Kemp Powers' play, One Night in Miami. You guys remember that? That's right, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. But for ultra nerds out there like me, you might be extra excited because of Joaquin Dos Santos. He is an animation legend. He was lead storyboard artist for one of my favorite cartoons of all time, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And he got promoted to head writer. And I think he directed Destroyer, which is like the finale, along with Dan Reba. So big TV guy. I'm glad to see him get his uh, film chops in with this one. One of my favorite cartoons of all time. So how fucked is our uh, box office list right now? (laughs) Yeah, this movie is doing really Uh, well. This one's doing really uh, well. Little Mermaid's not. So and it's not not doing well. It's just definitely not hitting the highs that we thought. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember saying, like, I felt like I was taking a gamble putting it at number one, and maybe it was. I mean, if things stay the way they are, it's either going to be Spider-Man or Guardians at number one. We'll see. So, yeah. I guess you were right saying it was a gamble. I was like, that's not a gamble. It's definitely going to be Little Mermaid number one. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a lock, but racism is stronger than we thought. Our lists aren't, like, totally fucked, because I think we'll probably still hit all the top tens, just not in the... Right order. Order, yeah. Or even oh, close yeah. to the order that we wanted. But Across the Spider-Verse doing so well is, like, giving me hope that my number two is going to work out. I put Mission Impossible as number two, so... You better hope that thing blows <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Was it two? Or? I think it was three for you, no? Oh, it was three. It was three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mission it was impossible. three because yeah. um, I put Guardians as number two. I remember. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. Oh, you remember better than I do. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, you're looking at the spreadsheet. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we're still early in the summer, so let's see if uh, next week's Transformers is good to me, because I'm the only way to put it on my list, so. <laughs> Dude, I think you're in trouble, man. I yeah, saw we'll someone see. tweet that like, the see. opening night was like empty theater. <laughs> oh, shit. That sucks. So, the funny thing is, I know we didn't go watch Slow Mermaid. I actually went to go watch it this weekend. Even on the second weekend, there was a lot of people that went to go watch it. And I was like, oh, it kind of gives me hope, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it has some legs. that Maybe it has some legs, yeah. But uh, I was quite surprised how many people were still watching Little Mermaid on the second weekend. So, yeah. But yeah, let's get into the movie that we're talking about today, right? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Let's start out with that topic. How were your guys' viewing experiences? So, I've already seen it twice. I went to one of the press screenings, which is pretty packed it was like the night before the premiere so it was like a mix of advanced and press pretty rowdy crowd good crowd i had a great time there and then the second time was this weekend i actually took my son to go see it still just as good the second time i think my kid's a little young for this i mean he's Mm -hmm. not even four (laughs) but he had a good time there's more dialogue in it than you would probably expect if you take like your kid to go see it. It's not like Mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers where it's like, oh, nonstop attention deficit action and like silly gags all the time, you know? There's definitely like heartfelt dialogue in this and uh, Ellis was always asking me like when people were talking, I was like, where's (laughs) Spider-Man, you know? (laughs) Which is kind of funny. Good question, kid. He kind of lost a little bit of interest towards the end. It's a long movie. It's two hours, 20 minutes. It's a long movie. Yeah. For me, it, this was like the fastest two hours 20, if I don't want to give too much away about what my opinion of the movie is, but it was a fast 220 for me. But yeah, I had a great experience. 
both times. What about you guys? I went this afternoon to a matinee. Oh, okay. So fresh. Theater was pretty empty. Yeah. Like the watch is pretty fresh, but the theater was pretty empty, which I was surprised at because I remember for the last big live action Spider-Man movie, every single theater was super duper packed. So I don't know what that says about this movie's budget projections, but it it was the rare Spider-Man movie theater that wasn't completely just packed. I mean, matinees are always pretty empty. Did you go in the city? No, not at all. I went in the suburbs. Oh, okay. You expect even lower attendance, right? Yeah. I mean, also, I think a lot of people are distracted due to the fact that it looks like the apocalypse outside. Yeah, we're living in the (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we are recording this on a Wednesday, and this is when the wildfires in Canada are like putting this blanket of smog and haze over New York City. And we're talking about New York City, but like, what about the people in Canada? Aren't they like even more fucked than we are? It's kind of funny that no one cares about the Canadians here. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on how the winds are taking the smoke, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's terrible over there, too. I mean, yeah. you know, welcome to what we deal with a lot in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Not to put light on it, but like, it is terrible. I remember experiencing, you know, uh, Paradise Fires here a couple years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. We were not equipped with that either and like it's kind of interesting to see what covid has done with the wide use of mask and like mm-hmm. new york is like handing out masks yeah. you guys are probably equipped with some kind of mask already i remember back then like nobody had mask on we were just walking around like hoping that we're not breathing in a ton of smoke yeah but yeah so my viewing experience was it was okay like surprisingly the theater was packed and which was like great to see but i don't know I, it wasn't getting like the reactions maybe i was looking for like people weren't laughing as much as i thought they might be or hooting hollering the audience was a little quiet which was a little i wish i had a rowdier clown mm. but it's still good to see this movie with a bunch of people it felt really good but okay so what did you guys think of the movie i really enjoyed it i had two or maybe like one and a half problems with it that's sort of interrelated mm-hmm. but otherwise i think this was a worthy sequel to a really really good movie Really enjoyed the prior movie, 2018's Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I think we all really loved that one. We thought the animation was great. The story was great. I think we really just loved everything about that movie. The humor hit. And I think this is a worthy sequel. I don't think yeah. it's quite as good just because of the couple of things that I'm going to kind of go into detail about later. But I think it's very comfortably like in that same tier. It's uh, definitely like nothing to be ashamed of with the sequel. This is really, really quite good. Yeah. I really, really love this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the first movie set this kind of impossible bar in terms of, you know, the artistry and the writing, just top-tier superhero filmmaking, animation. But now, almost five years later, the cinematic landscape has changed. You know, you've gotten way more superhero movies, the Disney remake IP. I think people are getting, like, way more discerning with what they go see. And this one is like almost at the same level as the original in terms of everything. And I think that's like an astonishing feat. Mm-hmm. I do agree with Amir. I still kind of prefer the first one just because of, you know, how self-contained it is telling a whole story. By that's the way, part of my problem. people were super mad at the first the meeting ending? I went to. The To Be Continued tag got booze from the crowd. Wow. I can imagine. It almost got booze from me. I was not <laughs> <laughs> I was not happy. All right. It's fine for me. I didn't mind it at all because I was prepared for it. I knew mm-hmm. that this was going to be the second in a trilogy. And I don't want to say it was 
buttoned up completely because it definitely wasn't. But it's not Fast X, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It didn't just end on a random scene. The cliffhanger pretty much works. And going in knowing that it's a part two of a trilogy, I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. So I a thousand percent forgot that this was a part two. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I was like, oh, wait. And then I like looked it up. I was like, oh, yeah, I did know this. But in the moment, I completely expected this movie to and you're like, have a complete arc <laughs> and finish. Well, when you're at the two-hour mark and you're like, this doesn't feel like yeah, it's going it to end like soon. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's ending <laughs> And then I was like, you know what? This is getting long, but maybe they're about to like wrap it all up really quickly. And I was like, oh, wait. Wow. <laughs> so I get why people were upset if they didn't see it coming. Yeah. My thoughts on the movie, I mean, sound like a broken record. I think I agree with all your guys' points. I think this is a great movie. I really loved it. You know, I think the first one in my heart is still a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I like Jeff, and maybe this is surprising for how much shit I gave Fast X. I'm okay with the fact that this is a one part versus not being, you know, entirely a complete story. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll get into that into spoilers, but I do want to talk a little bit about the animation too here. Like I think oh, that absolutely. the original movie was a trendsetter, right? Like once that movie came out, mm-hmm. once it won its Oscar, like I think people in the industry like took notice at its animation. And this is probably before it won its Oscar, right? Yeah. We've seen the evolution of animation, I think, over the last five years since it's come out. Really recent example being like Puss in Boots, right? Draws mm-hmm. heavy inspiration, I think, from this. A movie that's coming out later this summer, TMNT, it it takes inspiration from this. But what this does then is evolve, which I completely appreciate that like it didn't really stick to its laurels in the sense that Mm. I think it pushed it even further. And I think this movie looks beautiful. I think the first 10 minutes when we're in the Gwen Stacy world is wow. Dude, I was about to say, the Gwen Stacy stuff, watching that, I'm like, holy shit, they're taking this to, like, a whole new level. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably, I don't think anything's going to beat this when it comes to, like, the most gorgeous movie of 2023. It's probably going to be this. Mm-hmm. And just, like, the creativity and, like, the stuff they do with the multiverse here, you know, I think the multiverse stuff is clever, and it also informs the character's more than like what the MCU's been doing, which is kind of the other way around. They want to build up the multiverse concepts rather than like use it to enrich the characters in the movies. But the Gwen Stacy opening scene is just amazing. I think when they introduced the Renaissance illustration vulture, yeah. I was like, holy shit, that is so fucking cool. Like that's yeah. what you do with the multiverse. Do something yeah. like, like no one's even like ever thought of in that art style and then you know gwen stacy's whole universe is in like people come to expect combination of hand-drawn and digital with into the spider-verse but here like right off the bat you get like this super richly textured watercolor universe it's fucking gorgeous yeah right off the bat you know that they're going to bring this to another level i mean it sounds like we all love this movie we all still have our issues so i think I don't know. Maybe we should give like a really brief synopsis before we get into spoilers. Yeah, I think so. This movie takes place a year and four months after the events of Into the Spider-Verse. It actually uh, connects the two by recontextualizing and like showing us a little bit before the events of the very final scene in Into the Spider-Verse and then uses that scene and then branches off of it, right? 
But uh, we've already talked about this. The beginning of this movie is Gwen Stacy's backstory and story a little bit. Get a little bit more of her. Like, you know, she becomes the focus for the first like 10, 15 minutes, which is really interesting, I thought. I want to say Gwen Stacy's been upgraded to co-lead. Co-lead, yeah, almost. Like, it's as right. much her story. Yeah, mm-hmm. Very and, much and a Gwen Stacy, Miles Morales yeah. uh, two-hander. Like I said, we jump a year and four months after Into the Spider-Verse, and Miles is a little bit older, Gwen's a little bit older, and Miles has become the quintessential Spider-Man of his universe, the only Spider-Man of his universe, and he is dealing with high school issues, parental issues. Gwen Stacy's dealing with the same with the kind of strife she's having with her dad. And then she is approached by Miguel Hera, who is Spider-Man 2099 of Nueva York. It's another dimension that takes place in the future. And she kind of gets recruited to this team of, they call them the Spider Society, right? Who are basically trying to clean up the mess that the spider people caused in the first Into the Spider-Verse. And, you know, all these Different beings from different universes and dimensions are kind of melding into each other and they have to clean it up. And the one thing that we kind of learned throughout the whole movie is that Spider-Men are connected by what they call these canon events. It's like a web of events that have to happen in every Spider-Man's life. We know the very traditional like Uncle Ben dying and then the Captain Stacy dying and then the Gwen Stacy dying. You know, all those moments pivotal to forming Spider-Men or Spider-Women. Miles wants to fight against that because he learns that his dad is going to die and Miguel, you know, is trying to stop him from stopping that event. That's kind of the main crux of the movie. So like it's Miles versus the rest of the Spider-Men, right? Also, there's an introduction of another villain called The Spot, which is like D-grade villain. I only know him from the 90s animated series. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, there's like one episode devoted to him. They kind of uh, hang a lampshade on that. Miles says like, oh, he's like villain of the week, which is kind of funny. Yeah, which was like, yeah, he was just one week and he never really showed up again on that show. Mm-hmm. I guess going into spoilers, I mean, I think we heaped a lot of praise on this already. Like, what were some of your guys' issues then? So, my first thing was pacing it wasn't slow at all but the first one was like just every single second bam 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 the plot is moving forward this one's a little slower i guess maybe just because it's taking its time to make those emotional moments land but you do feel the pacing isn't as frenetic as that first one and i think that ties into the fact that it's only half of a story right so i just don't wonder Mm. if in the end it's gonna feel like one and a half movies stretched out over two. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. I mean, I guess I have to see what they're going to do in the second one, but I just wonder. Like, this arc feels like it's 80% over. Like, if the movie had gone another half hour, they could have wrapped it all up, right? Yeah, Yeah. maybe. Like, they needed just a little more time than they had to kind of close out all the arcs in this movie. So, clearly, they're going to be, like, be doing something else and be beefing it up. And, you know, it's it's not just going to be, hey, let's resolve this whole arc and it's a 20-minute movie. But yeah, those were probably my only real issues. I recognize what you're saying, but I don't think those things bothered me. I, like, I actually really liked the slower moments in this. I think about like the moments between Gwen and her dad. I really liked, you know, uh, Miles and Rio. I think all those moments maybe do slow down the frenetic pacing, but I think they're really the heart of this movie, especially the Miles and Rio stuff. Like, I really loved all the stuff between him and yeah. his mom. Yeah. And I get it. I share some of the same criticisms. I joked about looking at my watch like two hours and realizing, oh, when is this actually going to end? Because I feel like it's ending soon, but is it really going to end on like this really weird cliffhanger? And it kind of does. I'm glad we had the break last week because of my wedding and we didn't really have anything to talk about. So I'm actually kind of glad that the previous episode before this was actually Fast X. 
Uh, which, you know, I had a lot of issues with being this incomplete story and it feeling like the questions that it was leaving by the end of that movie was just, I don't care. Right. But I think the questions at the end of this movie are a little bit more warranted. I think there's way more of like an arc for both like Gwen and Miles still by oh, the end of absolutely. this movie. absolutely. Yeah. It leaves me not so angry at the movie by the end yeah. of it. The cliffhanger is a little weirdly executed yes. but the cliffhanger itself is very good and yeah. miles and gwen both have complete arcs at least in this movie yeah that you can see like the beginning and end of even though it's going to carry on into the third one you know what i mean yeah um they right. both come to like realizations and it makes sense it's not like fast x with gal Gadot coming out of a fucking submarine yeah. and then the movie's over which is fucking weird as shit i mean we are in spoilers but like you know we haven't really gotten to the end but the questions it leaves me with are way more fascinating like oh my god what does this mean that he's running into you know spoilers other version of himself how does that tie into the story now like all of that stuff is super fascinating super interesting and like pulls me in and makes me want to see the next movie as soon as possible, right? My other thing, you know, it actually has a release date for Beyond the Spider-Verse. I don't know if they're actually going to make that release date. But, I mean, it is slated to come out next year. The promise of another story only one year from now. Yeah, it's not like another five years. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It blows my mind that Fast 10 is a one-parter and they haven't even, like, started filming or even written the mm -hmm. script. That means that movie's coming out in like three or four years. I do not have the attention span for that, right? Every yeah. other movie that's been a part one of a two, like, has planned it out enough that at least, I guess, except for Dune, the movie is not going to come out years later. And it, like, I don't know. That was so frustrating to me to, like, learn that about Fast X. But at least this one mm. knows it. And I, I imagine probably some of the animations already started on this movie, the third yeah. movie. Yeah, I basically agree with the stuff with the pacing. Even though I do think the movie's paced pretty well, yeah. it's just when you compare it to the utter perfection that is Into the Spider-Verse, mm. that thing is airtight, the first mm -hmm. movie. So you're always going to be coming up a little short, especially if this is only half a movie, really, right? Right. And, and I recently rewatched Into the Spider-Verse, too, so it's really fresh yeah. in my mind how yeah. Yeah, I didn't get amazing to do that. Yeah. the pacing is in that. It's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if those are my criticisms, I guess they're they're kind of weak tea. I'm not exactly yeah, trying Mine to, are you know. also, I mean, in the synopsis, I didn't really mention the spot because I feel like that is a weird character in this movie that I don't know if it entirely worked in just the first part of this movie. Uh, we'll see like over the span of, I guess, the two movies because he's going to get resolved in the second movie. If it feels like more of a complete story, it's kind of weird that he's really heavy in the beginning and then is missing from most of the middle and then only kind of shows up at the end. That was kind of weird with that character. I mean, this movie does feel like it's supposed to have two villains that both of them are not given enough. There's a lot going on, you know, trying to set up Spot, trying to set up Miguel O'Hara, the Peter B. Parker character, which I really loved in the first movie, is set aside a little bit in this movie. Yeah, he shows up very late. Yeah, he shows up late and he's not really given that much to do. Like, I wish there was a little bit more it's with that character. It's a cameo, right? He's not a co -star. Yeah. Even though there are really tender moments, he has that moment where he's like, I had a kid because of you, Miles. That was a really tender moment that I really loved in the movie. Yeah, I, I really did like that too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have minor quibbles too. There's one moment in the movie that was like the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my fucking life, which I really fucking didn't like. You know, hanging a lampshade on like the movie's copaganda. <laughs> How so? Okay, first of all, Gwen and her dad talking about him being a cop and stuff. I can literally guarantee you that there are zero cops in the world who pick up a badge because they're going to take it away from a bad person 
getting a badge. That's not how that fucking works. You know what I mean? (laughs) No one fucking does that. There are no cops that do that. And I know you want to appeal to, like, I don't know, terminally online Twitter haters and shit, call out your own copaganda, but just don't say anything about it, you know? Like, just let people, I don't know, criticize your copaganda, I guess. It's very, very obvious and unsubtle the way they try to shoehorn that recognition into the movie, and it just rings false to me. You know what I mean? I wonder if that's something that you see if you're looking for it, like if you're embedded in that discussion. That didn't stick out to me any more than any other, Mm. I don't know, like cop parent talking to their non-cop child, and I don't know, it it didn't stick out like a sore thumb to me at all, It felt so obvious, because Gwen's like, oh, I know the only reason you put on the badge is so that you could take it away from someone bad who can have a police badge or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's- Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah, I guess- It's such a weird line of dialogue that, like, Mm. is not organic at all. You know what I mean? I understand what they're trying to do, but come on. I think the literal meaning of that line didn't really sink to me, as opposed to just, like, the sentiment, right? Like, I read it as it's phrased weirdly, but the sentiment is just like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you're a good cop, dad. Like, like, right? Like, I didn't read into it the literal – because you're right. When you literally look at what the line is, it is trying to do something weird. But I just kind of went with the vibe of what she was saying and not, like, the literal – you know. You know what it is too that the Gwen Stacy trans allegory is so much better handled and that's right next to the cop stuff that it really sticks out like a sore thumb to me. You know, with like the colors and then the subtext. I think that's handled very very well. How like sure are you that that's an intentional Well, I mean, she has a poster beat. that says protect trans kids so i guess oh really i didn't see that yeah that, it was like on I top missed. of her door frame oh interesting that i missed i saw like the dad has a patch on his coat and like the yeah. colors like her color motif is always the pink and blue i guess yeah but and then just like the discussion that they have you know about gwen's secret identity and stuff right hiding half of your self-acceptance right it's yeah. very like mutant metaphor for homosexuality in the first x-men films right like that's the yeah kind of parallel when you put all those things together, I think it's quite elegantly done and quite obvious, but it's well done, I think. Ah, uh, you say it's obvious, but I think it's probably only obvious if you're, like, tuned into these things. I do think that that's something that I don't think the general audience is going to come out of this thing, oh, Gwen Stacy's yes. trans yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. But it's I think surprising that- for a Marvel movie or, like, a Disney-Sony movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's buried enough that it's not surprising like i don't think there's gonna be like i don't know some kind of weird boycott from some anti-trans lobby of this movie right which i think you would get if it was more obvious right like there's always some weird backlash or protest yeah something right and like i don't think that's gonna be here for this because i just don't think it's obvious enough like i think the people who object to it are just too dumb to get it (laughs) maybe and to be fair like i think a lot of people wouldn't Get it. I think it's pretty under the radar. Like, maybe it's obvious to you as someone who, like, analyzes film and TV and you, like, stay mm. into the narrative. Did you know that that narrative was coming before you saw the movie? No, absolutely not. Okay. So, I mean, I heard about it before I went in because I just saw it today. So, I kind of already Oh, okay. It. So, I was already looking for that. But maybe it is completely obvious on the surface. But I think it's a little more subtle than you're giving it credit for. I'm, like, very online. So, maybe that's why I recognize it more than your average theater goer. But – 
I don't know. I mean, that's just my gut instinct. I don't have any way to know that. Like, I, I didn't take an exit polling out of the theater. So, guys, what do you think of the right? Like, I don't know. What did you think, Derek? Like, was this something that a uh, plotline that jumped out at you? Or no, kind of more. I guess on Amir's side here, like that didn't really. I mean, I, same thing. I didn't notice the poster. That didn't really jump out at me. So, mm. so another modern quibble I have. I think a lot of people have been saying this as well. Is that in the entire Spider Society there would be. Absolutely zero Spider-Man who would side with Miguel on what he's trying to do. Yes. That's one of my gripes, too. Wait, Actually, one of my bigger gripes. would side with Miguel or against yeah, Miguel? with Miguel. Oh, right. You're saying that it's weird that everybody's on his side as opposed to the other way around. Yes. Yeah. Right. That yeah, somehow yeah, yeah. destiny, the one sacrifice is greater than the many that potentially you, you could save as Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't feel very Spider-Man-like, right? Or hero, right, yeah. he's not, you know, Spock yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. So, like, the whole thing with Miles is that, you know, he's trying to save the one and the many at the same time. But that's, like, a very Spider-Man thing, you know? Because, like, that's what every Spider-Man tries to do. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man does that with the trolley and Mary Jane in the first movie. You guys remember that? And, you know, even Pavita Prabhakar. Yeah. He even says, like, oh, I can do both, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they're in his world, you know, saving uh, his girlfriend's dad, who's also the police captain, Captain Singh, in this universe. Yeah. So, it feels kind of weird that, you know, everyone's on board with Miguel, but I don't think everyone in the Spider Society knows the extent of what Miguel's willing to do to fix the multiverse or protect the multiverse. I think just, like, that inner circle is in on, you know, stopping Miles and stuff. I don't know if everyone is. I mean, the movie kind of makes it seem like everyone is because there's that moment where everyone is surrounding Miles, right? When he's trying to escape uh, Mm -hmm. the tower. But, yeah, I think the movie would have been a little bit better story-wise if that was made a little bit more clear. If there was a little bit more distinction where, like, maybe these are all Spider-Men that, like, are willing to help Miguel because they want to fix the universe or fix the, like, you know, the Spider-Verse. But there's maybe only a small group of like Spider-Man that really understand the true meaning of what they're doing and like trying to keep the canon alive. I think it would have been a little bit better if it was only a small group. Even someone like Gwen is a little oblivious. And then you had maybe like Peter B. Parker's, you know, the Jake Johnson one. He actually knew and like it feels more of like a betrayal. But at this moment, like it seems like everyone is betraying Miles, right? Mm-hmm. Like Penny, Peter, and Gwen, they're all seem to be in on this lie to Miles. Basically, let his dad die. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> it's pretty dark, actually. Yeah. I do want to say the meta commentary of this movie is really fucking good. I really, really like how layered it is, talking about, you know, what it means to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Not just as a character, but like a comic book character, you know? The idea of canon events and how, you know, Miles wants to break free of that and have his own free will in the face of, like, a corporate mandate and all that stuff. I think that's really, really cool. And, like, against the weird racist backlash, because like, oh, Miles can never be Spider-Man. And then I think the producers and the writers actually confirmed that, you know, they used Miguel as a mouthpiece for that, where he's like, you know, you're a mistake. You're never going to be a real Spider-Man or mm. whatever. And, like... I thought that commentary was great. It's just really, really well done. There's like this other aspect of mentorship and like parenthood that's really Mm -hmm. strong in this movie that I really, really loved. I mean, we got, like I already said, Gwen and her dad, Uh Miles and his parents, the relationship he has with Peter B. Parker, right? Was his mentor. 
the Jessica Drew character who's like pregnant in this movie, mm-hmm. right? So many layers to that idea of parenthood and what it means to like be responsible for this kid that is quickly becoming an adult and like is trying to make decisions and define who he is. You know, all these establishments, like you're saying, trying to tell him what he needs to be and he's trying to like figure out himself, right? Figure out for himself what that means to be like his own Spider-Man. Yeah. I I thought that was so fascinating. I'm so excited to watch the conclusion of this actual story. And it helps that all the voice acting is incredible too. Like Shalif Moore is incredible. Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry. I really actually love what Luna Lauren Velez does as Rio, the mom. She's so good. Yeah. I don't think people really sing Shamik Moore's praises enough. Some of his line deliveries are great. At the end, he's like, nah, I'm going to do my own thing, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it was a really good delivery. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that we've already talked about the animation, but I loved the animation of Hobie Brown, the spider punk. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Dude, that looks so cool. It speaks to the theme of him, right? He is so hard-edged, the way he's mm-hmm. drawn, his outline, how he just doesn't want to conform yeah, doesn't, to like, Yeah, his animation doesn't even fit in. Yeah, conform to the world around him. It's like such a cool idea and such a cool representation of that character. I love that character. Great addition. Yeah. Also, like the, he yeah. is the one Spider-Man who would never even be a part of the Secret Society to begin with, I feel, uh, which is I mean, kind of quick, funny. quickly, so I guess, yeah. I'm glad Daniel Kaluuya gets to use his real... Yeah. Life accent in this, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, yeah. Great character. Apparently, I mean, I can obviously tell. We can obviously tell. It took them a trillion years to animate Hobie. Yeah. And then the whole chase sequence, they started from the very beginning of production. They started animating that right when they started working on this movie, and it took them four years <laughs> Holy shit. to That's do that whole sequence. It's yeah. insane. All right. That's sequel. Shows. not holding. <laughs> I guess I'll see you guys in like two or three years. Well, it's a sequel. writer's strike, not an animator's strike, so. Okay. <laughs> Are they working concurrently? I don't know, actually. Were they? So, yeah, I, don't, I haven't read anything of like them actually already working on animation. The only thing I've heard is that Haley Sapphire said she hasn't recorded any lines yet. Mm. Like, she's been vocal about that. But, I mean, animation and vocals can be working differently, right? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. So, I don't know exactly what that means. Another really funny addition was Andy Samberg's Ben Riley. Yeah. Some people are mad about that. They're like, really? you ruined Ben Riley. Oh, come on. Dude, it's so I funny. love. It was really the funny. Fucking Edgelord 90s. <laughs> yeah. It was really satire. funny. Satire. It's funny. And the animation is so cool. But I guess so if you're a big yeah. Ben Riley fan, maybe you don't want to see yeah, your, maybe, your favorite yeah, you character get, ah, become the butt of a joke yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. I actually really loved that we got a little set piece in Mumbatan. I guess no, like Mumbatan, yeah. yeah. Mumbai in Manhattan. Mumbatan. I think the way he swings and like uses that yo-yo is really it's cool. It's so cool. It's like, so cool. The way that is animated is really cool. Like, man, I like you said, like I think this movie does so much more with like the multiverse and being able to like not even just show us a bunch of Spider-Man, but then now expanding that a little bit and showing us different spider worlds and animating them differently and like giving them their own character, I think is just amazing. They do really cool things with the multiverse here. That's just really creative and inventive and like interesting. In Gwen's world, Peter Parker's the lizard. How cool is yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. I love that. I was not expecting that. The one-two hit of Peter Parker being the lizard and then uh, Renaissance illustration vulture, I was like, holy shit, this movie's gonna be fucking next level. And it really was. It was so cool. 
Yeah, the coolest thing about that Vulture animation is I think there's a part where he like loses his arm. Yeah. And then it like rebuilds itself because it's just a drawing. Like, oh, yeah. Dude, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Dude, like, it's just so small cool. details like that. It's so cool. And also like just things that are like tiny, tiny little things from the first movie that pay off in the second just makes it seem like they plan things out, telegraphed a lot of the twists in the second one in the first movie. Did you guys see this with Miles' uh, bitey sense in the first Since one? color, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with yeah. the color where it's originally the Prowler's colors, the green and the purple. Mm. But then when he gets bit and he meets the Chris Pine Spider-Man who dies, it changes to like the red and the blue. So like I thought that was really cool. Really goes into the twist ending. Dude, I did not see this cliffhanger coming at all. Yeah. You know, it's a little awkward ending it on that, but it was so well done that I didn't even care, you know, that he's in the wrong universe. Okay, well, before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about the set piece that leads up to it. The chase through... Yeah, the chase is so good. The chase through Spider Society headquarters, all the things that set up that end sequence too that you're talking about. The idea that like, it's right in front of our face. It says like the spiders from World 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we saw it in the first movie. It's like glitching and it lands in his universe, but he's from Universe 42. And like, we learn about this go home machine or Mm -hmm. send them home machine. I don't remember what they call it. The chase by all the different Spider-Men was really cool. Dude, there's so many, so many references that are like really cool. Like you see the Insomniac Spider-Man through mm-hmm. the chase. Do you guys notice? They have like their own version, like a danger room. Mm, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. all the 90s villains popping up. The 90s versions of the villains popping up. Seeing, what's the Spider-Man cartoon after the 90s? Do you guys remember that one where he goes into space? Uh, yeah. no, I don't uh, think so. It's like Spectacular Spider-Man. It's something like that. You see that Spider-Man? Yeah, he gets a couple lines. Like Spider-Cat, Spider-Monkey, Spider-Car. His name is Peter Parchcar. Yeah, funny Peter Parchcar. That's fucking funny. I love the bit about, and we see it in the trailers, right? Where the Spider-Man who's like a therapist and he's like, let me guess, your uncle died? And then they <laughs> burst through the, that really the walls. Really I was funny. like, dude. Crash through the office. It's so, so funny. funny. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing with the rocket that's going into space and, like, his plan to lead them all away. Like, I thought that was all really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great sequence. So, what does he do to get off the rocket and back to the headquarters? I have no idea. I was a little confused, too, because all of a sudden, I guess he maybe went invisible and maybe he has, like, spider wings. I don't know. Does he have spider wings? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I will say that the live-action cameos sucked. They stank. Yes. Oh, really? They bugged you? They didn't bug me. Yeah, they took me out of the movie. Like, oh, the Donald Glover one. I was okay oh, didn't bother me. with the Donald Glover. I think it's more so many of the scenes from the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And the oh, Andrew I'm the Garfield. other way around. No. Because, <laughs> like, that was on a screen. That's fine. But then, like, the Donald Glover thing is just like... I, those bothered me because they felt so much like studio exec. Mm. like heavy hand we saw it work in no way home we need tie-ins to these spider-men now yeah 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 Mm. i agree i agree it bothered me too but i think the donald glover one looked bad Mm, yeah especially when the rest of the movie is so gorgeous you know like having this weird live action donald glover sitting in a cartoon prison it looked kind of weird especially when they showed the andrew garfield moment they kind of laced it with like animation over it yeah with a cartoon computer screen so that kind of worked a little better it was a little more seamlessly integrated but yeah i mean i thought it was really cool when they were talking about the canon moments we got to see all these different iterations and a lot of them are from actual video games and or like yeah. movies or tv shows that we've seen throughout the years man for them to be able to draw from 
everything is pretty cool, actually. I think if you're a really, really big Spider-Man fan, like way bigger than I am, you would really enjoy pointing out getting all of these references. Like I got some of them, maybe even a lot yeah. of them, but I'm, I'm sure there's so many that I didn't get. And so I'm happy for yeah. whoever is like a super Spider-Man fan. Like you're going to love this. This is like for you. Yeah. All those Spider-Man in their little club, recognize all those guys. It'll be a blast for you. Oh, I was talking about this big chase through the Spider Society headquarters and the end of the chase leads back to this go home machine and Miles is basically just trying to get himself home, right? Send himself home so that he can stop the murder of his dad. And I've heard other people say this, right? Kind of like Silence of the Lambs twist. All these different scenes are playing side by side because he gets sent back to what he thinks is his world. Gwen chases after him. Miguel and a couple other spider people chase after him. And Mm -hmm. they chase him to his actual world. But because of how this go-home machine works is that it recognizes the DNA of, I guess, the spider powers... It actually sends him to where the original spider was from, which is Universe 42, which is not his world, right? There's that great twist where we learn that he's not in his world. He's in this a Universe 42, and it's a universe where like his uncle Aaron is still alive. We see him walk through the door. And he also has this really tender moment where he reveals to his mom, I'm Spider-Man. And she's like, who's that? <laughs> who's that? Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. I should have picked up all what was going on then when she said that. Right? It's all these clues like right in front of my face that I think I should have recognized, but I didn't. I thought, it was, oh, okay, maybe she's just being a mom who like doesn't get it. But no, it's like literally because there is no Spider-Man on this world. Yeah. There's this TikTok going around where they record themselves in the theater when uh, Miles reveals that he's Spider-Man. And when he does the reveal, the guy's like, he's black? <laughs> That's bad <for> <laughs> <laughs> People Stupid. are like laughing in the theater. I thought that was pretty funny. But then there's also like another twist, I guess, on top of this twist is that, you know, he goes up to the roof of his uncle Aaron and then he gets ambushed by somebody. You know, he gets tied up to the punching bag, which we saw in like the first movie, you know, Uncle Aaron's apartment. Our Miles that we're used to thinks like we do. He's the prowler, like he even pulls out the arm piece, right? He thinks he's the prowler. But then the big twist is that we learned that the prowler of this world isn't Aaron Davis. It actually is the Miles Morales of this world has become the prowler. And that's the big cliffhanger, right? Gwen goes around like recruiting a bunch of other Spider-Men to try to save Miles. And like Miguel's still hunting for Miles. And then Miles is stuck in this world with another version of himself that is the Prowler. And yeah, there's a lot to digest there. So what is Gwen's inflection point on helping Miles? Is it that her dad resigns as captain? So she realizes that canon events can be averted? Is that what it is? Or because Miguel exiled her and she's like, okay, fuck this guy, I'm going to help Yeah, I think it's all of it. Like, she was always... Not that on board with it, right? Like, even as yeah. they're chasing him, she's trying to help him. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess she was going along with it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. If, is there one point? I don't know. Like, her dad was in this impossible situation. Like, well, I'm a cop, but this is my daughter. And, like, at the beginning yeah. of the movie, he chooses one over the other. In its essence, like, what Gwen chooses throughout most of the movie is she thinks it's destiny, right? What is the right thing? Versus then she sees her father turn and chooses her instead. And, like, changes that. And I think that kind of empowers her also to change what she thought was the right thing to do, right? Yeah. For me, that's more of the stronger inflection point. The whole thing with Gwen and her dad, I don't think we ever explained this, is that... Yeah, we don't really talk about it too much. Gwen is wanted for Peter Parker's murder, even though he was the lizard. You know, that's why she joins the Spider Society, right? Because... Her dad chooses to be a cop and is about to arrest her, wrongfully arrest her for the murder of Peter Parker. So 
she decides to leave through Miguel and Jessica's portal to help the spider society rather than stay in her own universe, right? She, at the end of the movie, starts recruiting like other Spider-Men, the ones we knew from the first movie, but then also ones we met in this movie that are kind of yeah. on my side, right? Like Hobie, Pavitar, the return of like Spider-Noir, right? We're going to get Nicolas Cage back, which he was kind of absent in this movie. Yeah, a lot of the yeah. spider people from the first one were kind of absent. You know, Penny mm-hmm. gets one line in this new one. Yeah. Peter Porker's not in it at all, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because I noticed that too while watching the movies, like, oh man, they really didn't bring back anyone from the first movies. But I think they were trying to leave the room for like these new people and then bring everyone together for the last movie. That seems like that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. And also beef up Gwen's role, right? They yeah. definitely beefed up Gwen's role, yeah. Something not related to anything, but have you guys ever realized how weird Miles' dad's name is? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is up with that? So, first of all, he takes his wife's name. So he's Jefferson Morales. But. His brother's name is Aaron Davis, so that would make him Jefferson Davis. Right. So, why would you name this character after the president of the Confederacy? <laughs> yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. So what. fucking weird. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. And then if Miles took his dad's name, he would be Miles Davis. What the fuck <laughs> is going on yeah. here? Maybe that's what it, they wanted to have him be Miles Davis. And then, like, they were like, actually, we can't do that. So, like, we're going to have him take I his feel like there. that's kind of it's goofy as shit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I <laughs> don't so know. Like, the Miles Davis thing makes sense. But then Jefferson part, I don't understand what they could be thinking with that. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I no that idea. was weird. Maybe they just total brain fart. Didn't even think yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe not. I got one minor, minor thing. I think the music's better in the first one, too. Mm. The music really in the first one's really, really, really incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I, second one's good too, though. There's no what's up danger, you know what I mean? But the first one just, yeah, completely knocks you over, I thought. Yeah. Just tons and tons of hip-hop classics being played in the first one. The second one is yeah. just, yeah, not as much. The second one really, like, continues the theme, though, which I really appreciated, you know, with the heavy synth and the screeching and stuff. I really like that. I think Daniel Pemberton did a great job with the score here, too. It's just not quite as memorable, but it's still a banger. You know, they use a lot of the motifs from the first one, so maybe you're right, you know? Like, every time they use the Miles Morales motif for, like, oh, shit, you know? Or, like, the Prowler theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess everything memorable is from the first one. From the first one. But I did like the score in this one. Well, is there anything else you guys want to bring up? No, I mean, I think this is one of the best Kong movies, like, ever. It's not as good as, but it's really, really good, right? It's not quite mm-hmm, as good yeah. as the first one, but it's still in that pantheon of, like, some of the best comic book movies ever. If you're into animation at all, like, if you're not biased against animation, this has got to be yeah. in that top tier. It's really great. I mean, right now you can say that it's not as good as the first one, but if it sticks its landing, this is going to be, like, all-timer trilogy, I think. Yeah, yeah let's it could be, do. yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to bring up this movie's press tour, which I think is very, very funny. Shamik Moore is crushing on Haley Steinfeld <laughs> so hard. There's like four separate interviews where he's like, oh, I just want to spend more time with you. And like, it's so easy acting across from you because like, that's what you look like or whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh my God. And she's like having none of it. She's like, uh, oh, okay. Funny. The first Spider-Man ever to fumble a co-star, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny because I've seen some interviews where they talk about 
I think in the first movie, they didn't actually do any lines together, right? Like a lot of them were just oh, like recorded okay. separately. But in this movie, Shamik and Haley do some of their scenes together in the same sound booth. So it's in like, I wonder booth, if Haley's yeah. like, can we switch that back <laughs> for the next one? <laughs> <laughs> Toby dated Kirsten Dunst. Andrew Garfield dated Emma Stone, and then oh. Tom Holland is still with Zendaya. So, come on, man. Shamik. Yeah, uh, break can't break that trend, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say that I love this movie, and I think it already has a place in my top ten somewhere. I know we're only like six I months think so. in. I don't know exactly where it's going to land. I'm pretty sure by the end of this year, it, this will be somewhere yeah. in my top ten. The artistry just, in this yeah. movie is just unbelievable. Yeah. They put so much effort into the art, the animation, and the story. It's fucking great. Yeah. I, I think, really, yeah. really like this. That alone, I think it's just worthy of a spot just because it looks so beautiful. And yeah. like I said, even just the first 10 minutes like blew me away. Just yeah. how beautiful it looks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they keep with the release schedule hopefully it's like a matrix reloaded revolutions situation or lord of the rings yeah lord of the rings yeah they can bang out that voice work quickly i really hope so last thing i love the little baby yeah the baby's cute mayday is cute yeah i love that last moment where she's like oh are we gonna get in trouble and then she pulls the beanie over her eyes like it's It's really cute one me over that shit was awesome all right that, yeah. that was my last thought. That's my last thought. Yeah. And also the <laughs> Lego world. Did you know like, oh, yeah. that 14-year-old kid animated that? What? Yeah. It was like a 14-year-old fan. I think he redid like one of the trailers in Lego, and then they hired him to do the Lego portion of the movie, which is really sweet and cool. I That's think that awesome. was pretty nice. Yeah. So you heard it here first, guys. Jeff is saying that because animators are worked so hard that this movie had to go to child, <laughs> child labor. Child labor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually funny. really, really cool. I heard something cool. that cool. that's an actual set. Like, that's an actual oh, Lego yeah? set. Like, yeah, an yeah, actual yeah. toy you can oh, buy. Oh, is right? it? Okay. Yeah, oh, like, cool. that Daily Bugle set is, like, the actual Daily Bugle toy set you could buy mm-hmm. or something like that. that's what i heard i thought that was pretty cool too but that's an even cooler yeah. set actually yeah i could have done without the venom shit yes that's another heavy-handed <laughs> studio exec we gotta tie it back to the venom yeah, what, yeah, yeah, venom yeah. Shit? did i miss it what do you that's mean? The, the bodega the, the bodega the korean lady in the bodega that's oh, like she's yeah she's from yeah, venom did yeah. you even watch venom no, no. Watch no. Venom, that's why <laughs> you wouldn't even know that's you, i feel like know. most people wouldn't even know <laughs> yeah because it's actually not yeah, like tom hardy that's... right absolutely corporate mandated because yeah. I think most people go and see this movie they watch that and be like what the fuck was that you know mm-hmm. like who's this bodega lady you know yeah. weird weird alright well we'll end on that note before we get too lost in our thoughts so Jeff where can people find more of your work you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com where I reviewed Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. what about you guys you can find me looking for the universe where I'm Spider-Man what about you Derek you can find me at the world's okayest photos on Instagram but if you like this podcast the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts whether it be Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher or any of the other popular apps if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify please do us a favor and give us a great rating really helps to get our voices out to more people. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.